Hey, everybody, what's going on? This is Dan Goodman from the Business of Strength podcast. Today, I am joined by a very special guest, Billy Armstrong. Billy is the head coach of Bergen Catholic Basketball. He's the owner of Hoop Dreams Basketball. He is a, a former professional basketball player, Division I basketball player at Davidson. He has an unbelievable story on how he made basketball the family business along with his wife, Lauren. He's a tremendous guest, awesome person, somebody that we've gotten to know over the years training Bergen Catholic basketball. And I think it's an episode you all are really going to enjoy. Let's hit it. Welcome to the business of strength powered by Varsity House Gym, the podcast for strength entrepreneurs. You know, Billy, basketball is a family business. Um, you played pro hoops. And, uh, you know, obviously I know your backstory about playing at Bergen Catholic and becoming uh, a Division One basketball player, but let's just bring listeners up to speed on how basketball became the family business. Uh, honestly, it was like the, I thought the natural kind of progression of things. So I was just so fortunate that, you know, I got to play in high school, got to play at a great college for a great coach, and then um, like a lot of college players thought it was over, but then I had an opportunity uh, when I was done to go overseas and play. and. Um, I thought it was going to be short-lived, and it lasted seven years. So and it was just an absolutely unbelievable experience, the things that I've uh, learned and the culture and the people that I got to meet. And um, I kind of always kind of knew a little bit that my life would be about basketball because I just was absolutely obsessed with it. And um, so when I kind of, you know, got done with playing, it actually I started kind of my business a little bit before I got done playing, probably the year before I started, like, training kids in their backyards when I'd come home in the summer and everything. So um, it was just kind of the natural progression for me. And then the big piece, honestly, was just really like I had so many people. I mean, I know it's kind of like the same old story that you hear a lot, but I just had so many coaches that helped me and made such an impact in my life. And at the end of the day, it was like, you know, there was a kind of a pull towards coaching kids and helping them. And specifically where I grew up in Bergen County is where I wanted to do it. Um, I think there's this idea that you kind of have to come from a big city to become a good basketball player, and it's not really true. So I wanted to go back to Bergen County where I grew up, um, where everything kind of started and be able to work with kids and teach kids and hopefully help them live out a dream that I was able to live out. Yeah, definitely. That's awesome. So let's get a little bit specific about your pro career and, and your career in college about, like, what, how did that materialize? Obviously, for me talking to you and knowing you for years now, I mean, talk a little bit about how you were the underdog story uh, and, and how the pro career actually happened. Because I think a lot of people think like, well, if it's NBA or bust, and I played with a guy in college, Jimmy Barron, who just retired, yep. and he's actually getting into the private sector of coaching as well. How does that happen? Like, how does a kid from Bergen County, Bergen Catholic, go on, get a scholarship, and then play overseas? How did that happen for you? Um, I mean, it, it definitely started at Bergen Catholic, honestly. Like, I just wanted to go there. I don't really know what, why. I mean, it was just kind of prestigious school in the air, and I went there, and I wasn't very good. So I was like the eighth, ninth man on the freshman team. Now the kids, nobody wants to play on the freshman team anymore. Um, and then I just became obsessed and got a bunch of scholarship offers, went to Davidson because I – I uh, just picked it based on the people, and I really liked the coach and everything. And then uh, we played our last game. We made the NCAA tournament. We lost in the first round to uh, Michigan. I thought my kind of you know basketball was over for me. Um, and then I got the opportunity um, from there to go and uh, try out for a team in Belgium. Part of the story that people don't know is that I went over to Belgium to Brussels to try out, and um, you know I tried out for the team. I didn't make it. I got cut, and then um, I refused to come home. 
because I didn't want to. Part of it, honestly, was just like it was like embarrassing, and I didn't want to come home and have my family and Definitely. friends think that you know it didn't work out. So it was just kind of weird how things. But I just became friends with the person over there that was playing on one of the top teams in Belgium, and it's a little bit different than than the NBA here because um, they're looking for guys to come in and work out with their pro players. So I got the opportunity to practice with the team for almost a whole season. And then I took a job on the uh, on a maintenance staff um, for an international school called uh, St. John's. It was in Waterloo, Belgium, and uh, I worked there on the maintenance staff. And they only spoke French, so I had a head of the maintenance staff while I'm like like cleaning up the toilets and mopping floors, yelling at me in French. I had no idea what he was talking about, but I just refused to kind of give up on like this dream of like playing. And then fast forward, probably about eight months later, I got a chance to try out for another team. I made it. I stayed there and uh, played for three years. And then I got a chance to go three and a half years to play in Kosovo. So it wasn't like this kind of easy, you know, uh, upward climb or whatever. Uh, but there's so many opportunities to kind of be able to play and make money doing it uh, all throughout the world. Basketball is a global game. Right. I think so many people think like, okay, Division One basketball player playing the NCAA, NCAA yeah. tournament, and now you're just going to sign this, you know, multiple six-figure contract, yeah. and you're you're pulling maintenance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Belgium. Yeah, it's funny because we I, I still kind of like smell. They had a, uh, a flood problem in the basement. Bleach. Yeah, and I still have, like, wake up with, like, nightmares of smelling stuff and a guy yelling at me in French or whatever, yeah. So, which motivates me to kind of get my ass out of bed every morning. So how how has being the eighth and ninth man on a freshman team to, you know, securing a college scholarship to being the maintenance man to playing seven years of professional basketball, how has that shaped you as a coach? And did and, – and did, um, did you get the opportunity, like when you were playing professional basketball and you came home to Westwood, were people asking you, like, hey, Billy, can you coach my kid? Like, how did that, how did that progression happen? Yeah, the thing that was interesting was that um, I guess part of it was like being that eighth man on the freshman team. It's like I had a lot of work to do. So, um, uh, you know, and my parents thought, I, and, and Dan, you know this, but I kind of told the story before. My parents thought I had, like, psychological problems. They thought there were some major issues with me because <laughs> I would be up at, like, 2 o'clock in the morning doing, like, defensive slides in my driveway. And nobody's doing defensive slides. Like, everybody wants to shoot and do those kind of things. But I was absolutely, absolutely, like, obsessed with it. Um, I don't really know where the obsession came from, to be honest with you. I think part of it was because my love of the game. I think the other part, not to kind of make this a therapy session, the other part was um, we were kind of like blue-collar family. Uh, my dad was a truck driver. We really didn't have much money at all. And I was living in an area in Bergen County, New Jersey, that was pretty wealthy. So I always kind of felt like I kind of wasn't good enough. Uh, we didn't have the fancy car, the fancy clothes, the fancy house and things. Um, so then I kind of got attracted to basketball, and I got as I worked out, as I got better. So that where it, it kind of like really the obsession came. I kind of wanted to prove to people that I was, you know, that I was somebody or whatever. So um, and the recognition that comes with it, right? Because that's something that money can't buy. Yeah, no, definitely. Like it's, I don't know if it's right, but you know, you you become successful sometimes at a sport, and um, you help teams win, and you win state championships, and all of a sudden. Um, you seem to have more friends or, or whatever. It's the truth. Yeah. It's so funny you talk about Fridays doing defensive slides. And you, yeah. know, you, you have, um, you know, the, the similarities between, you know, look, you, you are a worker. You are, you are a blue-collar player that made it on a big stage for, yeah. you know, all intents and purposes. You know, I look back on, not to make this about me, but Fridays at the gym. I went to a public high school. And you see what I'm doing now. I would spend Friday afternoons in the weight room, not doing anything structured, but yeah. I was just the only kid there. So I'm like, well, yeah. if I'm here and everybody else is doing something right. else, yeah, yeah. I have to be getting better than yeah. them. No, no, <laughs> and, no. you know, 20 years later, I'm still in the gym. Yeah. So there's yeah, something. I, was, I mean, it was like, 
it was pretty crazy because I would like set up things for like my friends in high school to do. And then like I was trying to bait you to this story. Yeah. So, so could, I would like set up here. like we're gonna go to the movies or we're gonna hang out at somebody's house and then I'd kinda coordinate it and then I wouldn't show up. <laughs> and it was this idea of like a competitive advantage where it was like they're hanging out now and now I'm actually at the courts like getting better and stuff. So uh, I was looking I was looking for any advantage I possibly could. I think possibly probably because um, my uh, parents, my mom and dad, who I love obviously to death, they didn't bless me with like the, the best genes for the game of basketball. So I tell people I had to kind of overcome my uh, DNA and genetic makeup or whatever. <laughs> and that was done obviously in the, in the gym and on the courts. No, I love that. I love it. So let's get into a little bit about obviously now uh, let's get the listeners up to speed. You're on an AAU program. Uh, you have a basketball business that you yep. run with your wife, Lauren, yep. and you are also the head coach of a prestigious basketball program, Bergen Catholic Basketball, and you also work in the high school. So how does it all blend together and how has it become like almost like a vertical ascension process? Whereas if I was, you know, a basketball player or coach, like how do I follow in your footsteps and what does your day to day look like now? Um, so. I wish I could say like when I started, there was like a little bit more of a plan. And that's like, if I had to do it all over again, I probably would have got more like coaching and more consulting and like how to do it. Um, because it really just like, you know, it started where I was done playing and now it's like, I need to get a job. I knew I wanted to help kids. I wanted to coach basketball. I want, I loved the game. I absolutely loved it. Uh, I thought I had some knowledge to kind of give to them and everything. So uh, it wasn't as like a structured plan. It literally started like training like one kid in his backyard. Um, and then little by little, it seemed like it took forever, honestly. And there's just like a time and a process to it to where it kind of grew. And I remember doing like my, some of my first camps and my, one of my camps that I did from nine to three, only three kids showed up in the beginning. And uh, I refused to cancel the camp and like it cost me money. But at the end of the day, it was like those parents, you know, they kind of scheduled that weekend and those kids planned to come to camp. And my job was to give them the best possible experience I possibly could. And it's interesting because I talked to different people that want to kind of do the same business and they get frustrated because they don't get a lot of people that show up right away. And then, so they cancel programs or they don't do something. And, you know, it's like, it's gonna maybe cost them a little money and everything. And I just, it wasn't that. It's like anybody that showed up at, you know, the court I was using, I gave them the absolute best I possibly could. And it was just kind of a, you know, it was a major kind of major, you know, grind. Um, but it's- For uh, how long? I would say, I would say probably it took like five years and, um, in, in my business, it's, it's still really, really competitive. I'd say it's even more competitive. There's somebody on every corner, and maybe in, in your guys' business too, where you know, somebody's opening a, a, a youth basketball organization and putting an AAU team together or running camps and things. And it was like that, you know, it's like 16 years now. It was like that in the beginning. Um, you know, so it probably took like five years to really to where I kind of developed um, some trust and some credibility, and then it started to kind of grow. And then we hit a stretch probably after the fifth year where it just absolutely kind of blew up. And it's interesting how things happen because we were actually, my wife and I, like, we can't do this. There's too much competition here. Um, I went to school in Davidson College down in Davidson, North Carolina. We took a trip down there, and we were going to relocate and start the business down there. And Coach McKillops is a prestigious coach. He was going to help us get started. And we come back from that trip. We actually went and saw houses, condos. We put an offer in on a place. We come back, and literally, like, the next 30 days, our business just absolutely blew up and kind of been here ever since. Besides consistency and something that we talk about here, obviously in the gym business is that we, we provide two things for our clients or try to, and that's results 
and the best hour of their day. Yep. And it's consistent. And the messaging's been consistent. We've been doing it since 2006. Like, what? And you talk about consistency and providing that best hour, whether you have three kids or 300 kids. And obviously, I know the success of your business, but. What do you attribute at year five, like when you came back from that trip, was it was it a marketing plan? Was it the compounding interest effect of doing it for five years? Like what set it off? Did you become the head coach or the JV coach at Bergen Catholic? Like what is the catalyst for the success? Yeah, the coaching part at the high school, which I absolutely loved, was really never part of the equation. And I had opportunities when I was done playing overseas. Um, you know, my college coach at Davidson offered me a job, uh, you know, two different times. Uh, but honestly, just being just totally like transparent and everything, it just it wasn't enough money. You know, I didn't want to like you know take this job as like the last assistant and barely surviving and living in somebody's totally. basement. Um, I also liked the freedom that the amount of money that I earned was up to me. So that's why you know me creating my own business was was the most important thing for me or whatever. So um, I don't know if there was one catalyst thing. I do think it was just kind of the compounding interest over time. Um, and then I will give you know all the credit to my wife, honestly, because I was so engrossed in the basketball part of it and wanted to become the best coach and the best trainer and getting in that every day, doing my studying, working on my craft, all those things, which was important. But honestly, I didn't spend enough time really learning how to like run a proper business. Um, and then where my wife came in, she really handled so much of it in terms of the marketing, the advertising. But I think the biggest component to it really is because I'm dealing with, you know, it's a kid's business and I have parents and parents have multiple kids. And what I found through from my competitors, they were not organized. Um, and they, you know, the practice is supposed to be at five, and it gets canceled. Their practice is at five, and it doesn't start till five thirty. And they got to run Johnny down to soccer practice. He's got to come back for basketball. So, you know, due to my wife just being able to set a schedule and structure it and organize it, all of a sudden now parents started to gravitate towards us because we gave them what we said we would. And it legitimized it as a real business. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, hundred yeah, percent. Sure. Yep. That's awesome. So. Um, Talking about a real business, I know you're a huge core values guy. You're you're big on continued education. Talk about how core value, like we always talk to business owners and they're like, well, why do I need a mission statement? Why do I need core values? Why do I need, you know, things to abide by? Well, you're a college athlete, former professional athlete. You look at all major brands, corporations, they all have them mm -hmm. because it's just like, if you have them, it's part of the subconscious mind and it directs your day-to-day -day habits. Yeah. And you talk about habits with your players all the time. Bring us up to speed on why that's so important and how it's played a role not only in Hoop Dreams basketball, but also Bergen Catholic basketball. Yeah. Um, I think the main part of like the core values, it really just gives you that compass that you can use every day on a daily day-to-day -day basis. Because what happens is, is that it happens to all of us and sometimes it's as we, as we strive for success, and we, we go after things that we want, and we find out that it becomes difficult. There's adversity, there's things that are thrown at us, and then all of a sudden it's that you want something so bad, sometimes you give up those, those core values. Um, and then all of a sudden you find yourself a year, two years, three years down the road in a place that you probably, you really didn't want to be at, uh, because you didn't kind of stick to your, to your values. I do think it's, um, sometimes it's hard. You know, and I go through it obviously in our business, I go through it as a high school coach now, we're in a very competitive, you know, we're, I think we have one of the top programs and teams in the country now, and there's competition for some of the best athletes and best players in the area. Um, and, and um, you know, sometimes there's, um, I don't know, organizations or teams that don't always necessarily do things kind of the right way or whatever. So um, I do think it's also, besides being that compass, it's hard to do, but when you do stick to it, I think your success grows 10 times, 100 times. 
as opposed to kind of giving up those values. Um, for me, I mean, it's something I got from college, and we call it TCC, and it's pretty much everything I do and kind of live by, and it's trust, care, and commitment. So that's our foundation, and it's not just how I run our business or how I coach our team. I don't think it works that way. So you live your life. Yeah, like it's just, you know, my relationship with my wife is based on TCC. I mean, I wouldn't necessarily tell her that. Um, she already knows. Yeah, I know. She already knows. Um, so it's just, you know, but, it, you know, our relationships with, I mean, you guys have been a big part of our success and helping our, our high school team be successful. Um, so all of my relationships and just uh, the way, I, you know, I work with our players and, um, yeah, it's just, it's, it's just, I get up and I know, like, all right, am I living by this or am I not? Yeah, absolutely. You know, I attribute a lot of, um, business success to you know those those core values i mean we had core values in college it was tba they're all de derivatives of the same thing yeah. trust belief accountability yeah you know we have them now in a business hungry humble committed to excellence yeah. and obviously you could have different variations yeah. of what they mean to you but it, to segue to the next question how had how are sports and business so similar and you look at a lot of successful business owners, both men and women, a lot of times uh, one of the underlying attributes that they have is a lot of times they were athletes. Mm -hmm. what, why do you think that is? I think one of the parts is because like the key to the whole thing, I think honestly, and it's, it, I guess there's more talk about it now. I don't want to be like corny or cliche about the whole thing, but at the end of the day, it's spending more time working on yourself um, and a lot of businesses don't want to hear that sometimes because it's like you're taking your time away from the business. Um, but we do it with our players every year. You know, we sit down in a room and I make them write down on a three by five index card three to five things that they personally need to kind of get better at within themselves. Has nothing to do with basketball. Maybe they don't show up on time. Maybe they're afraid of making mistakes. Maybe they procrastinate, so on and so forth. So I think what happens is when you're an, when you're an athlete that you want to be successful and you want to strive for stuff, there comes a point where you actually have to self-evaluate and you have to look at yourself and we're constantly doing that. And it's not just, can I, yes, part of it is can I run faster? Can I jump higher? Am I stronger? Can I handle the ball better? That's part of it. But there's, there's those other things. So. You know, as a 16-year-old, I started to kind of look at that stuff. Um, and it was like anything I could possibly get to kind of get that competitive advantage. And then through that process and that journey from, and I joke with my players, but I became serious about basketball when I was 15. And I literally didn't take one day off until I was 25. Yeah. And it was like, it was 10 straight years. I remember going on vacation with my parents and I'm doing like two ball dribbling drills um, at the Marriott parking lot where the kids are in the lazy river. And the par my parents are looking at me like, yes, we, yes, he's we a psycho. It. We and get it. We're figuring out the professional help here. Um, so I think there's that part of like looking at ourselves as an athlete where it's like, how can I get better? And we bring that to the table from to the business side. I think the other piece is that at the end of the day, there's there's no individual success. Even somebody that's an individual sport, say like Michael Phelps or Hussein Bolt, like they didn't get there because of themselves. Right. There's so much around that. Totally. And the same thing with businesses. Like businesses grow because of the quality of your relationships you have and the people you bring into your business and 100%. you develop those things. Um, and then it's like now we have a business or we have a sports team and we have all these different personalities that we have to come together for a common goal. Um, and if you're not into that common goal, it's probably not the team for you or the business for you. Um, and then through that, there's all those skills. There's the talking and the communicating. You know, we have a big three in our program and um, our kids know, but like I always say like basketball is a, is a um, zero second decision making game. You're driving a taxi in New York City, you got zero seconds to make up your mind. So I train my players, I want them to be great at making decisions, solving problems, talking, communicating. 
and you run a business, I run a business, if we can bring in people that are great at making decisions, solving problems, talking, communicating, we're going to hire you and you're going to move up. Well, it's so funny. There's two things I wanted to dovetail on. We talk about it all the time. With any organization, it doesn't matter where you work. The two, Obviously, there's a lot of people that get paid within an organization. But people that get paid the most are people that solve problems yeah. and manage others yep. and people that can sell. Yeah. And you cannot sell if you can't communicate. Right. So right. those are two skills that you're teaching 16-year-olds yeah. that are invaluable. That These kids, you, you think about it, the competitive advantage that they will have, whether they play college basketball or not, yeah. they've had corporate structure as a 16-year-old. Yeah. Really, yeah. it's no. tremendous. Yeah, absolutely. And um, I wanted to uh, touch back upon the goal setting. We talk about something here from Gino Wickman, the EOS model, mm -hmm. and it's a vision traction organizer. And I have everybody fill one out on a yearly basis. And then we'll, you know, two weeks ago in our team meeting, we went over, we went over them. And we're like, okay, well, obviously it's business term, but a SWOT analysis, strength, weakness, opportunity, and threat, individually and for the business. Right. And by writing it down, it makes it real. Yeah. Right? And I was doing some research, and who knows where people get statistics like this, but by writing anything, by writing a goal down, it makes it, you have a 40% uh, forty more of a chance of it actually coming to fruition just by writing it down. Yeah. And I don't know, again, where those these statistics come from. They come from the Google machine, yeah. but <laughs> obviously that's how I segue the meeting. But yeah. it's so important to constantly take inventory. Where do you stand? What, yeah. are you, what are you good at? What do you suck at? And you talked about it a little bit. It's, you have to understand what, the threat is to you personally yeah. and what your weakness is because yeah. if you just keep going towards what your strength is all the time yeah. well then you know you're not going to be a very balanced business or a very balanced team or whatever yeah. it is I spend our off season every year and I pick something that I need to kind of like you know work on and get better at and 2 years ago it was, it was leadership I just thought I needed to be a better leader um, last year was becoming a better communicator and it's it's funny how the world works cuz at my high school our president offered me a job to you know, part-time job to add to my business and all the other things I do. Um, and it's, I wouldn't tell him this, but I took the job. And it was in an advancement office helping to um, fundraise for the school. And I just thought being able to ask people for money was, was a skill that would be pretty good to have. Totally. But I actually, in my mind, and I wouldn't tell the president of the school this, and hopefully he's not going to be listening to this, but I took the job because I, right away I'm thinking like, man, that could give me an opportunity to really test the waters in terms of becoming a better communicator as I have to talk to alumni from the school and talk to different people about our vision at the school and you know their willingness to donate and help us kind of reach that vision and stuff. So How's that been going? It's um, I, honestly, like the surprising part is like, it, I tell people this all the time, I've never had a real job until like I got this one because I've just played basketball and coached basketball and I've ran a business. I've never had a real job either. Yeah. Ever. I never, I've never been <laughs> on a job interview. Yeah. <laughs> so that would be like so far, yeah, that would be like so far weird. to me or whatever. Um, but so, so I guess this, you know, I went in for the interview, that, and uh, it wasn't really an interview or you whatever. You had the job. Did yeah, you, and it, wear a suit. Or and what? I had to tell the I, I had to tell the guy, <laughs> that, you know, the president's like, I have no idea what I'm doing, and that uh, this is my first job I'm going to have at the age of 44. Yeah. And I don't know if that was part of the job description or whatever, but um, I, I actually really absolutely love it, and um, it, it's I think it's just kind of helping me in terms of those areas that I need to kind of improve in and whatever. So, and part of it is a challenge for me. Yeah. It's well, just. Another challenge, too, that you've had in just uh, talking about, obviously, taking the job at Bergen in terms of the, um, in terms of, you know, the assistant job and, um, and doing a fun, really a fundraising role. Yeah. You've, you've 
spiraled that into, or you've turned that into a speaking role. I mean, you want to talk about that a little bit? Yeah, that that's like, it's two parts for me. One, it's like every time I do it, no matter how many times I do it, I'm like scared to death. Um, and so I actually just spoke last Monday at West Deptford uh, High School. So I took a two-hour ride down there. And it was, um, it was interesting because I'm on the soccer field and I got to speak to their soccer team. And I basically, the guy says, you got 30 minutes, like go. And I got to hit all my points in 30 minutes. Um, and then I hustle up to the football field and the football uh, team just finished practice. And I get up there and the coach is like, you got 16 minutes and we got to go watch film and that's so important. And now I got to try to capture these kids that don't know me at all, a whole football team. So uh, it was really- What do you really... talk about? What's like, that? What do you talk about? What is the- uh, so, I always try to give them something that has to do with, I think that will personally help them. And then I obviously talk about their team because that's really what they bring me in for about, you know, building the, building the team. And so that's where I get into our TCC and our trust care commitment. And I just have different things that we do on our team that I share with them. And I actually kind of take them, you know, through, through the uh, exercises and stuff that's awesome. uh, pretty, pretty quickly or whatever. If there was a coach or somebody that was listening that was interested in booking you for something like that, how would, how would that happen? It's really all done through um, uh, Victory Road. Chris Fiorola runs like Victory Road. And he started working with my Bergen Catholic basketball team. I met him through a mutual friend and it's um, an unbelievable organization, and it's it's all about leadership and um, high performance training and everything. So it's something that I wanted my kids to be exposed to, and through that process, he got to know me. And he's like, "Hey, you know, I think we can use you on our team. Would you like to speak to some high schools?" And then, you know, uh, my first time time speaking was to the Seton Hall Prep football team, which is like one of our arch rivals. Yeah. And I'm standing there as the basketball coach in a Bergen Catholic T-shirt at Seton Hall, and it was like, um, but it's funny. It's just their coach down at Seton Hall is great, and it's just. You know, when you get in the room with the right people, it's like it's just all about getting better, and they don't really yeah. kind of care. So, um, I I really I, mean, I love doing it uh, because it's really it makes me better. But then the other part is that you know I get the opportunity to I hope to impact some kid's life, and that's really why I started my business, and I've never really strayed that far from it. It's why I coach basketball, and it, it's such a cool thing. And you guys got it here too. I mean, they have the ability to um, I think, and it might be a little extreme to affect somebody's eternity. You know, something that we've all learned from a coach. Definitely. You know, whether it be positive or negative, and sometimes it's For negative. Sure. Um, to be able to do that is just uh, something that I, I take extremely seriously, and I don't uh, take it for granted. So, uh, the guy asked me, Chris asked me to get in a car, take a two-hour ride, you know, to West Deptford, South Jersey, to talk to some soccer kids. I don't know if there's one kid there that maybe I can give him one piece of information that could change things for him. Yeah, for sure. That's awesome stuff. So, next question I've got for you. It's it's kind of off off topic for some people but we've talked about it a little bit before a lot of coaches and business owners they they keep doing what they're doing expecting for them in you know 20 years 25 30 years and all of a sudden they're just going to have this pot of gold at the end and we're not you know obviously not literally a pot of gold not trying to get rich off of coaching yeah. otherwise we'd be in a different profession but yeah. what, you know lauren works in the business you have two young daughters What's the exit strategy? You know, yeah. this is a question that you ask a business owner and a coach, and a lot of times they have no idea. Yeah. And I think if you don't know what the end looks like, you know, or, or how to – it's really how do you progress your career? Yeah. Where does it go from here? Yeah. Um, so that's, that's kind of the thing I wish I would have done. I already said it once. I wish I would have got, like, business coaching and consulting in the beginning because I didn't study it in school or anything like that. I don't know if necessarily school would have helped me or whatever because I, I really think that you need people that have actually gone through the process, not Same. somebody that just has a Ph.D. Definitely. Like, I'd rather talk to you because you have a business, you know, and I want to know how you can help and things. And then the other thing I wish I would have done from the beginning, I wish I would have had the end in mind. 
and I didn't because all we were doing is scrambling in the beginning, which is mm-hmm. a lot of people's situation. It's everybody. Yeah, and it's like I'm just trying to get some clients so I can pay my bills, to be honest, and just kind of keep the lights on and stuff. So um, it's probably been the last five years uh, because our life has changed. So it's been the last five years. It's been like this major frustration in, in my life, honestly, is that my wife and I started the business together. We have a one-year-old at home and a four-year-old at home. So our life has changed. What, what I want to do with my life and what she wants to do with hers has changed. So now, really, I want to continue what I'm doing, but in a different capacity. Mm-hmm. And then the other part is is that, you know, my wife now wants to be a mom. And she wants to spend most of her time being a mom and stuff. So trying to get her out of the business has been really challenging and like really frustrating and um and it just you, you threw some friends of mine that have a similar business in north carolina we started to have a conversation and now we're going through the process now um and it's i don't know what you would call it but you know come next january february march we'll be full throttle into it we will kind of have merged with uh pro skills basketball which started from from davidson former davidson college basketball players um, they, they started down in Charlotte. They took a little different approach than me, and um, they really built their business nationally. And they have pro skill stuff in Dallas and Denver and Atlanta. And so I'm pretty excited about it because my role will change from the standpoint of I'm going to be more in charge of coaching my coaches as mm-hmm. opposed to the daily on on the court coaching the kids and being the director on top. And then they have just the infrastructure in place that it kind of removes my wife. She'll still kind of be the consultant of like some big things. Yep. Um, but it removes them because they just they just have the infrastructure in place that takes care of the marketing and all of those things that it's important to running a business. I, I wanted to ask you that question. Obviously, I know it's a loaded question because I knew the answer. Yeah. But so many people that listen to this show, when they believe they need to make more money, mm-hmm. they dive into more of what they're currently doing. Yeah. Where it's like, it's. I, I just want to reiterate to everybody that. The decision that you that you've made, it's hard because it's unfamiliar. Yeah, it'd be familiar for for you guys just to keep doing exactly what you're doing. Mm-hmm. But you talked about it. You're doing you're you're working the ascension ladder to start coaching coaches. Yeah, and your impact is going to be felt uh, on a much broader scale. You're going from New Jersey, Connecticut, New York area yeah. to now. You mentioned Dallas, you yep. know, North Carolina, Denver. Yep. Denver. I sure. mean, so you think about you as a coach and and your message is going to really expand a lot. Yeah. Um, but a lot of times coaches, they can't listen business, as you said before, is a team game. And yeah. I know in terms of strength and conditioning, it's always about me and mine and how many sessions I can do Yeah. when it needs to be about you and yours right, right. and really becoming the CEO of a company, Yeah. you know, and that's why it's so important again, as you mentioned to have an exit, what do you want to do in 10 years? Yeah. Yep. And if you don't have that, and, and when you when you don't have that, you don't have a roadmap to get there. You're just going to keep churning exactly what you're doing, and then you're going to be 55, and you're going to be burnt out. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. That, uh, that's it's ex- uh, kind of exactly like it is. So I wish I would have had that in mind in the beginning. So that's kind of, you know, definitely my one piece of advice and stuff. And it's scary, honestly, because it is, it's not comfortable now. And my wife and I have built something that it's recognizable in this area. And, uh, you know, so there's this emotional attachment to it. And then there's the other part now where I'm no longer the business owner. I will still have my camps. That's kind of a separate thing. But I'm no longer the business owner of, like, Hoop Dreams. It's mm-hmm. PSB Hoop Dreams coming together. Mm-hmm. And now it's like, you know, I, I work for them. I'm going to be the director and everything. But it, it does free up some of my time and it allows me to grow in other areas and things that I want to do. Um, you know, so there is... 
there is a certain you know risk that you kind of have to take and we're just going to go for it and yeah. then, you know I, I really think too sometimes people are afraid to go things and I heard once somebody say people aren't wealthy because either it's lazy or or it's fear. And sometimes it's like, you got to figure out, am I lazy? And then if I am, I got to take care of that. A lot of times it's like we don't reach some of the stuff we want to do, whether it be wealth or success in something because we're afraid of things, you know. So this is fearful, you know, for my wife and I because we don't know how it's going to turn out. It's going to change our life pretty big. Uh, But we're just going to go for it because we have that picture of what we want to do. And I don't want to be... I don't want my wife answering emails at two o'clock in the morning. We're on right. a, we're on a family vacation. Well, you know what's funny? I was listening to a Tim Ferriss podcast recently with Jamie Fox. It was like a four hour episode. I was stuck in traffic, <laughs> but really really cool episode. And you talk about fear, and Jamie Fox's story is insane. Yeah, I won't get into that, yeah. but um, you talk about sacrifice and things like that. Yeah. But he said, you know, what's on the other side of fear, and what is on the other side of fear? It's usually nothing. Yeah, right. It's usually nothing. Yeah. It's usually like this self-perpetuating thing that you work yourself up, you work yep. yourself up, and you actually do the thing. It's yeah. like public speaking. I, I still, I'm still fearful yeah. of it. You know, doing this right now before we come in, I'm talking to Trevor, and I'm like, dude, I haven't done one of these in a minute. Like, I'm worried. <laughs> but yeah. then you get rolling. It's like, right. man, like this is there's fun. There's nothing there. It's like there's you nothing said, there's nothing there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, for you, it's you know you you say okay, what's the best that could happen here? Yep. What's the worst that could happen? Yeah. And if the worst happened, what happens then? Right. Right. It's like well, you still have all these skills. Yeah. As yep. does Lauren, and you guys could go back to doing what you're right. doing and re kind of calibrate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's really like I think you're gonna do great with that. That's the first part of our code, like the TCC we have is the trust, and then it's like trust and trust. We want to build trust in each other, and then we forget that. The foundation of that starts by trusting in yourself first. So we just have to trust that we are somewhat intelligent people with some skills. And if it all we all just fell on our face, we'd pick our pieces back up. Exactly. So, and you wouldn't have the opportunity if you did. Yeah. You know. That's and it's, I constantly remind myself too because when I got done playing at Davidson, it's like a guy comes up to me and said, "I got an opportunity for you to try out in, in Brussels, Belgium, for a team." And it's like, man, this is cool. But on the other side, I was like, I'm so scared. I'm just like, wait a minute. I'm going to go 7,000 miles away to a country where they don't speak English. I don't know anybody. I'm far from all my friends and family. And I'm going to go over there and like, you know, kind of what's going to happen. And the funny thing is if I didn't take, get on that plane that day, the seven years I spent over there, the people I met, the things I learned, the experiences I had, who's just kind of shaped who I am now as a coach, as a business owner, it never would have happened if I was too afraid to get on the plane. Absolutely. And I did fall on my face because I didn't make the team. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. And the crazy thing is you stuck it out. Though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It, wasn't a, it wasn't an easy road to No, get no, there. for sure. It never is. No. Yeah. So what, I mean, you kind of answered it a little bit, but what does the future hold for for you as a, as, a, as a family man, a head coach of Bergen Catholic Basketball? I know you've had other big opportunities to coach. Like, you know, how does it all intertwine? Like, what what are you, what is Billy Armstrong going to be doing in five years? Like, what have you going what have you what are you what are you going to have accomplished? What's what's the deal in five yeah. years? I was we've had a lot of conversations about this. Just you know, me being here at the gym and different things and talking and stuff. I think for like for the first time, honestly, I've I felt like because I was always this thing where and I get a lot where it's like you know you're going to be a college coach and, and those things and I kind of for a minute there was maybe trying to ch- chasing that dream. And there still might be that opportunity, but I've kind of honestly, like, I, I feel like I've really kind of settled in to where I am now, and I'm just uh, pretty happy where I am in terms of, um, you know, I get to see my daughters a lot. Yeah. I mean, I get, to, I get to pick them up from school. I get to play with them. I get to see them a lot. Um, and it's interesting because I see them a lot, 
and I have so much on my plate uh, from the standpoint of like running the business and then now this kind of merger that we're going into. Um, running the Bergen Catholic basketball team is, uh, I mean, like I said, it's one of the top programs in the country, and I put a thousand hours a year into it. Um, you know, so there's that piece. Taking a part-time job at, in the Advancement Alumni Office, um, it's it's. Uh, I'm starting uh, Coach Coach uh, which will be a coach's site that will be for coaches and parents, and it's a whole nother awesome. a whole nother thing that's um, really slow. It's a slow grind with it right now because I haven't been able to commit as much time to it. Building a website, it's as we so all much. know, is a oh, pain my goodness. in the ass. Yeah. And just getting the content and just getting your thoughts to, together, like what you kind of want to give and stuff. And then I have like the speaking. So there's a lot of things going on and like there's so much. Um, but I chip away at it each day. And then I'm like, you know, it's just me kind of being content. I've always kind of been this builder, I think. And maybe it was I was a builder in my former life because it started with building me as a 16-year-old basketball player. Mm-hmm. And then how I was able to go from kind of a nobody to a pretty good player. Yeah. And then it was the same thing with our business where it's like one kid and now we have like 2,000 kids that come through the door a year. Uh, I took over the high school program. I had a lot of help around you guys and big part of the success. But we went from not being top 50 in New Jersey to like we're now we're top 50 in the country. So like I have like I'm excited about getting opportunities to build things and see like taking them from one place to the next, um, you know. So I I just gonna chip away at everything. No, it's been tremendous. I mean, Trevor and I, I think we're at your one your first um, maybe first or second end of season dinner. End of season yeah, dinner, yeah. And, and I remember the conversation then yeah. till now. Yeah. And you just see the the growth of the program. Yep. And you know the always great kids, but the. The, the caliber of player I'm looking around I'm like dude yeah. where who is this kid yeah. six foot ten yeah, you know? yeah, like, yeah and have some really just tremendous kids come through the program and obviously yeah. we've been very fortunate to be able to work with the program so thank you for that yeah absolutely um, so in closing here I want to uh, wrap this up is a piece of advice I mean we could go a couple different ways here, but a piece of advice for a player, uh, an aspiring player or coach or business owner, and we've talked about core values, we've talked about your run, we've talked about your exit strategy. Mm-hmm. What, how, do, how do we finish this conversation in terms of a pe- an inspiring piece of advice for any one of those people? Yeah. Um, I, I mean, we kind of talked about it be, before. I think like the first part is you, you really got to find out, you know, it is kind of cliche, I guess, but you really got to find out what excites you. I don't think if, if there's something that you, you, you don't want to you jump out of bed for in the morning, and it doesn't mean the daily day-to-day grind. You don't want to, like, you know, we all kind of go through that thing. But um, I was always kind of, you know, as a high school player, I was going after playing in college and then being becoming the best pro I can. And so you got to have something that you absolutely love that you really become obsessed with. Um, and I guess those are some of the things that, and I always tell my players all the time, it's like kind of be obsessed or be average. So, And then you know you're obsessed. I think passion's important. Everybody talks about that. Um, I don't know if passion, and I, this might, people might disagree, I don't know if passion gets you to the level you want to get to. And passion, it's easy to measure, I think, because when you're passionate about something, I think the loved ones around you, they cheer for you. It's like, you know, he's passionate about this. Dan's passionate about his business and stuff. And then when you become obsessed with something, kind of like the Kobe Bryant mentality, the people that love you, that are around you, tell you to calm down, to just relax. Like my parents saying, like, this is insane, you know, doing defensive slides outside your house and stuff. So... Um, it doesn't mean it doesn't mean that there isn't balance because I have balance in my how life. Do you, so like, how how do you balance it? You know, like how how do you measure that? It, like you talk about, and I agree with you. Yeah, and I've been there, and I've had the years of 
you know, the beginning, no, literally zero days off, and yeah. it's just top of mind. And I go home still to this day, and Dana's like, "Are you okay?" Yeah, and I'm like, "I can't, I, I can't shut it off." You yeah, know? yeah, like yeah. I'm, I'm writing down. I have my trusty yeah. water boy notebook with yeah, me all yeah, the time. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah. But how do you? I have some set things that I do, but how, how do you balance it? Because that doesn't go away. No. And I think people need to understand yeah. that that obsession compulsion <laughs> it yeah, doesn't yeah. really end no it doesn't so how what kind of barriers do you have so i think the the uh, the first part is one like i'm not perfect with this at all you know especially when we get into our high school season it's like my wife's talking to me and she's like is you like hello is anybody there kind of thing um you talk about like the notebook like a big piece of it is like the scheduling part of it and like when i kind of make out the schedule like at the top of the page, I write time and love because those are the two greatest assets human beings have. Okay. And at the end of the day, it's like, how are you using those assets on a 24-hour period, so to speak? Um, so it's at the top of the page, it's that as a constant reminder, like, how am I going to use those things today? Um, so there's certain things from a time standpoint that you have to do. Mm-hmm. Um, but the funny thing is I have two kids, and it's like everybody knows kids spell love, T-I-M-E. So it's like you have to almost schedule like, well, this is the time for the kids now. Mm-hmm. I'm stopping work today at 2 o'clock, and from – you know, from 2.30 to 3.30, I'm at the playground with April mm-hmm. and Summer. Yeah. So, like, part of it is the schedule, but it's, like, for me constantly looking at those things. And it's really hard for my wife and I to turn it off because, like, we're business partners. Mm-hmm. And we'll go to dinner, and it's, like, we're business partners as opposed to, like, husband and wife. Right. You know, but I think there has to be a level of, like, maturity and awareness of, like, you know, and I'm not perfect with it, and I make tons of mistakes with it. But uh, I got my college coach, just something I got from him about time and love and how are you using those you know, uh, throughout the day and stuff. Because it's funny, it doesn't matter. You can live in Europe, you can live here, you can live in Africa. It doesn't matter where you are on the scale. Everybody has time and love. Yeah, So it's really kind of, you know, how you do it. That's awesome, Billy. Thank you. Thank you for your time today. And uh, this was awesome. For somebody that's listening to this and they have a student athlete that they want to be coached by, by you or Hoop Dreams, or how can people get in touch with you? How can people do business with you? This is where, like, my... um I guess the business part of me comes in that needs a lot of work because, like, I have no idea to a certain degree. <laughs> because I have, we have, like, an Instagram page for Hoop Dreams, which I think is at Hoop Dreams BA. Okay. And then we have BC Crusader Hoops, like, Instagram. So we have those things. How about an email? And, the, and then, yeah, so uh, my email is pretty simple. It's just info at Hoop Dreams, and Dreams ends with a Z. So it's hoopdreams.org. Um, and then I also have uh, my Burton Catholic one, which might be easier, which is just B Armstrong um, at burdencatholic.org. So... Um, at the end of the day, the last part of our code is that, that second C. The first C is care. The last part is the commitment. Um, it's something I absolutely live by. And uh, I just think we cross paths in people's lives. Um, I don't know why sometimes. And Dan and I and Trevor, our lives have kind of crossed paths and stuff. And uh, I might be like old school, but I was raised that commitment means forever. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, So with my players, with anybody that comes to our uh, hoop dream stuff, with Anybody that I kind of cross paths with, uh, I'm committed forever. So if anybody ever needs anything whatsoever, whether it's tomorrow or 10 years from now, if you need me, email me, call on me, get in touch with Dan. Any way I can help, I would absolutely do it. Um, That's just kind of the unwritten thing that we've signed up for as coaches. Absolutely. Well, thank you again, Billy. This was really awesome. I think our listeners are going to really enjoy it. Thank you again. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, Dan. Appreciate it. Awesome. The business of strength powered by Varsity House Gym. Turn your passion into your profession and learn how to run a world-class business. Be sure to visit us at www.strengthentrepreneurs.com to learn more. And as always, at varsityhousegym.com. Become unstoppable.